Autism has become one of the most widespread childhood epidemics in recorded history. It affects 1 in 88 children. It is on the rise and more common in boys. Why is early detection important? What are some of the ways we can treat autism? We're here with Dr. Bob Sears, author of The Autism Book, and this is Parent Savers, episode 34. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I am your host, Casey Wilt. Parent Savers is all about helping new parents from the baby years to the toddler years. And we are so lucky to have amazing experts on our show, so shoot us an email or call our hotline and we'll get your questions answered. We also have a free app, a free newsletter. You can like us on Facebook, send us an email or call our hotline. So many ways to be a part of our show. Did you miss an episode that's been archived or you want to keep talking to the expert once the show stops? We have a Parent Savers Club where you can download the archived episodes and get exclusive content and more. So I'm a new parent myself. My son, Carson, just turned two last week, and I'm joined by two new parents here in the studio. I'm Jody Roberts. I'm a high school teacher, and I have a 22-month-old named Tara. Hi, I'm Carlin Kowalski, and I'm an elementary special ed teacher, and I have a two-year-old daughter as well. And today, for our headlines, we don't normally do this, but this headline kind of relates to our topic at hand today. So there was an article that was released this week, and this is what the article about. Um, it says, Autism Risks Tied to Exposure to Traffic Pollution. And um, it just basically talked about... Um, Increased autism diagnosis has been accompanied by um, research on the disorder, and they've been linking it to um, ki- parents, uh, babies who are exposed to traffic um, in the womb of the first year of life, that they're more likely to become autistic. So that's what this study is about. So what do you know about this, Dr. Sears? Well, we've known for many years that autism is related to environmental toxicity, pollution, chemicals, heavy metals in the environment. These are getting into the moms, you know, getting into the uh, unborn babies and getting into the young children. And those metals are having a toxic effect on the brain. And they're also having a toxic effect on our genetics, causing uh, some uh, minor mutations that then contribute to the developmental problems. And, in fact, those, those mutations will actually um, interfere with the child's uh, inability to detoxify the metals um, in the first place. So... It's like the metals are causing genetic problems, which then makes kids, you know, even more susceptible to heavy metals and pollution and toxins in the environment. So it's a vicious cycle, and uh, this new this new report just kind of confirms what we've known for uh, many years. Hmm. So do we all, what do you guys think? Do you think we all need to move out in the country and <laughs> and um, live where the, lots of land and no cars? <laughs> well, when it said it's um, in the article, or somewhere it said, um, mothers who are pregnant then if they're being exposed to pollution and traffic does that mean that if you're pregnant you shouldn't be in traffic or is that like being out and walking around oh. when there is traffic or yeah good point like and then could you it's help the stress that? level of being in the car right really? and then is there a way to prevent that from like you know how the, you can push that little button that the air s- cycles 
Oh, in your car? Yeah. Is I mean, should we make sure that our air is not coming from the outside then if we're sitting in traffic and mm. pregnant? Would that help? Well, yeah, I, I think you, you want to use common sense. Uh, during pregnancy, if you're going to take long walks, don't do it along a busy road. Right. You know, uh, walk somewhere, you know, in, in nature, away from traffic, so you're not inhaling the exhaust fumes of all the cars that drive by. And then, yes, if you if you commute and drive a lot while you're pregnant, you'd want to have the, the best filtration system on your car that you possibly can. And But you know, they're not just the little practical things we can do, but this speaks to a global problem that we, we might not be able to get a handle on, on eliminating autism until we uh, clean up the planet. And we're, you know, we're so many decades away from uh, achieving that. You know, they've done studies on allergies, and they've found that kids that grew up on dairy farms or out in rural areas, they have a better immune system. Hmm. They, they have fewer allergies. So I think, you know, this is kind of along that same line. The fewer toxins you're getting into your body, the more natural things that are meant to be in your body that you can get in there during pregnancy and in those really important first years of life, the better off you're going to be long term. Well, maybe we should all just take note from the Asian culture and wear masks everywhere. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because <laughs> if we all did it as a society, it wouldn't look weird. That's <laughs> true. For our first of two shows about autism, we have Dr. Bob Sears, author of The Autism Book, back with us today to talk about autism causes and treatments. So let's start for the newbies with new parents who have heard this word being thrown around. What is autism and what does on the spectrum mean, Dr. Sears? Well, um, you know, autism is a neurodevelopmental disorder. You know, it's it's kind of a classification, but... um, Essentially, what's going on is various sections of a child with autism's brain is not is not working properly. The part of the brain that that, that deals with language, understanding language, and processing words, and um, and then you know the output of that language that's not working properly. The part of the brain that senses things, senses touch and sound and body position, that part of the brain isn't working properly. And uh, the part of the brain that, that uh, controls mood and behavior and outbursts, you know, that's not working properly. And the reason why these parts of the brain aren't working properly is that the brain hormones and the brain chemicals that um, control all those parts of the brain aren't working properly. And then you, know, then you ask, why is that happening? Well, it's, uh, essentially we know these kids with autism, their brains are inflamed. There's a lot of immune problems. The immune system is basically attacking parts of the brain and giving out all kinds of inflammatory chemicals that are just you know, eating away at, at some of the nerve cells and some of the support structures in the brain. And then you know, finally, we also know that the whole body is affected by this inflammation. And then the, the immune system is causing gut problems and attacking other organs in the body. So it's really a whole body disorder that's essentially affecting how the brain chemicals are working within the brain that then manifests manifests itself in these uh, symptoms of autism. I've heard autism and Asperger's, those are types of autism? Yeah, it's it's all a spectrum of the disorder. Um, You have severe autism, moderate autism, mild autism, then, then next to that you have Asperger's, next to that you might have just, you know, speech delay, um, I think, uh, you know, pretty much any, any, any developmental or social uh, type of disorder is kind of all on the same spectrum. It's just different degrees 
based on how much your brain and your body is affected by it. In the article, it says um, the spectrum, it it can range from the profound inability to communicate and mental retardation to milder symptoms seen in Asperger's. And there's such a wide range. Why do you think, I mean, that there is such this wide spectrum? Yeah, yeah, but I think the the, the bigger picture is, is why is that happening and what's going on in the brain? And to me, no matter what we call it, no matter what we label it, these kids' uh, brains are inflamed and they're being affected by the immune system and the toxins, and we want to try to find ways to improve that. And so, you know, when I'm seeing patients in the office and their diagnosis is questionable and we're not sure exactly what their delay is, I'll treat them all the same. I'll say, well, we're going to explore every possible medical reason you know that that your brain might might be functioning this way, so we can see uh, how we can get you uh, get you on the road to recovery. So the brains are inflamed because I didn't know that, and then yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah. So and that's a commonality. That's a common occurring thing that we can tell yeah. biologically. It, it is, and then there are there are hundreds of research articles that demonstrate brain inflammation in these kids, and I think it's. I think whatever is causing all this, it's many different factors. Yeah, well, what, what, that was what the are the causes question. of autism? What causes them to be inflamed? Yeah. Well, you know, that, that's, that you know, continues to elude us, honestly. That's sort of the big question. I think, number one, we know it's probably multiple causes, and that's why we see the spectrum of the disorder. Hmm. There are many different causes, and different causes might be affecting different kids uh, you know, in, in various ways. But we know we're pretty sure it's environmental toxicity. We're pretty sure it's part of it is genetics. Um, um, you know, we, we also think so in some kids there might be certain infections that will get within the body and the brain that will cause even more inflammation. Um, we know, uh, you know certain, um, you know, pretty much any, anything in our environment that's unnatural that invades the body and causes a, an, an unusual immune response or an autoimmune response or inflammation can contribute to autism. But I will say overall, we, we still do not know, you know, the cause. You know, why has this escalated so quickly in, in the recent decade and what's underlying it all that really continues to, uh, to elude us in the research setting. So you were saying, you know, if you see a child that no matter what the label is, you would treat them all the same. So what is the role that your pediatrician can play in in helping you detect these issues at an early age? And why is it so important to get the diagnosis as early as possible? Yeah, that that, that is a key. And I will also say I treat them all the same from a medical standpoint uh, as far as, you know, what I might investigate as far as all their medical problems. But from a therapy standpoint, each kid certainly does need an individualized therapy program that's tailored to their unique situation. So we don't just always treat them the same when it comes to all the realms of therapy. But just to clarify that, but, um, but yeah, early diagnosis, you know, as a pediatrician, um, I'm always on the lookout for, for autism or any developmental delays. And there are a few things specifically every pediatrician should do. Number one, at age one, um, every parent should be filling out a developmental questionnaire and the, ch- and the doctor should be making some developmental o- observations that specifically look for autism signs. You're supposed to also do that at age 18 months as well as two years. And then um, three, four, and five years, pretty much every checkup, there should be some sort of formal developmental questionnaire um, 
that, in, in that, in fact, the, the parent doesn't even know they're filling out a questionnaire related to autism. They just feel they're, they're develop, filling out a developmental questionnaire uh, because you want it to be more objective. There are dozens of different tests. You know, I don't even know which one's the best. I've used a variety of them over the years, and the, the problem is time. You know, pediatricians don't have a half an hour to put kids through developmental testing. We're talking five minutes of screening um, you know, during each of these checkups. But, you know, you also want to try to look for it earlier than that. Look for babies with poor eye contact, babies that aren't starting to babble, babies that aren't smiling and laughing. Um, and you want to identify these babies early because you asked me, you know, well, why is that important? The key is the earlier you, you identify a developmental delay and the earlier you begin therapy, the, quickly the, the, the quicker the child recovers, the less severe the problem eventually becomes and the more chance of recovery uh, and, and you could even prevent the, di the eventual diagnosis of autism if you start developmental therapies early on during infancy or, or early toddlerhood. So that's why it's so key. You said there's ways to cure it, but is there ways to prevent it? Um, absolutely, yeah. Prevention is, um, well, actually, I can't say you know, absolutely, but uh, <laughs> there are definitely some prevention measures that, um, that some of us pediatricians are looking at. You know, we always say early, early diagnosis and early treatment is not prevention. You know, the same thing is true of cancer. Early diagnosis isn't prevention. Um, it's just early diagnosis. Um, but an early, early diagnosis definitely helps aid recovery. But how can you prevent it in the first place? Um, what we're looking at, uh, number one, with, uh, in the, in before women get pregnant, before you even conceive, you can look at a number of things. Like you can get the mercury fillings removed from your teeth. You can um, start eating organically. You can you know, reduce your exposure to, to pollution. You can uh, uh, investigate your own health for autoimmune disorders like thyroid disease and other autoimmune diseases and get those under control prior to pregnancy so that your immune system is healthier. You want to make sure you have um, healthy levels of various vitamins like folic acid and zinc and make sure your vitamin D is a nice healthy level. Make sure you're not anemic. You basically want to get your body as healthy as possible prior to pregnancy. And, um, and, then, and then the same all, all holds true during pregnancy. Stay as healthy as you can, as natural as you can, and, and pay attention to those medical problems I just, I just discussed. Um, and, and I will highlight thyroid disease. You know, we know moms with thyroid disease uh, pose a, you know, have a higher rate of, of kids with autism, and so I should say untreated thyroid disease. So um, get your thyroid disease under control. Get it treated. Um, gluten sensitivity. We know moms who are gluten sensitive or who have celiac disease are more likely to have a child with autism. So you want to explore and make sure you're not gluten sensitive. Uh, get some testing done and, and go gluten free if you need to. So that's, that's a lot of the, the you know, before pregnancy and, and during pregnancy preventative steps that I like to counsel any of my patients um, through. And we don't know how preventative all these measures are because there has not been thorough research done yet on all these preventative measures, but theoretically, these are a lot of measures that, uh, that may help. When we come back, we'll talk about other medical problems that arise in autistic kids, as well as ways to treat autism. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back. We have Dr. Bob Sears, author of the Autism Book, back with us to talk about autism, causes, and treatments. So, Dr. Sears, what type of medical testing should parents seek out after a child has been diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder? Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's a you know, very complicated question. You know, we, we basically like to look for medical problems that a child with autism can have that might make their autism worse. And um, I will say from a mainstream medicine perspective, um, most pediatricians won't do any medical testing on kids with autism. They just call it autism and they, you know, they feel that, that it's just a, you know, a psychiatric disorder and there's really nothing medically we can do, um, which is, which is you know, very far from the truth. Um, doctors simply just weren't trained in autism um, you know, going back and in medical school and during their training. So, so doctors such as myself that do deal with autism frequently and, and like to treat it, here's, a, here's what we look for. We, we basically will look for um, thyroid problems in these kids. We'll look for lead uh, poisoning. We will look for anemia. We will look for uh, intestinal problems, uh, yeast overgrowth in the, in the intestines, certain types of bacterial overgrowth. We'll look for parasites, anything in the intestines that might be inflaming it. We look for food allergies, uh, gluten sensitivity. Um, we also look for uh, certain uh, mineral and vitamin deficiencies like vitamin D, uh, zinc, um, uh, calcium, uh, vitamin A deficiency. Um, Let's see, what else do we look for? We look for uh, various uh, problems with uh, genetics. Even though genetic disorders aren't treatable, uh, there are certain genetic problems that we can provide some vitamins, vitamin therapies for that sometimes help improve symptoms. And then um, and sometimes there are some very complicated metabolic problems uh, uh, or something we call mitochondrial disorders, which are... Um, the parts of the cell that generate energy. Sometimes at a cellular level, your, your body's just not uh, generating enough energy for your cells to use. That's called mitochondrial disorders. Do you think if you have a child diagnosed with autism from your pediatrician that you should seek out a pediatrician who maybe specializes in autism so that they will check all, all realms of this type of stuff? Yeah, yes, I do recommend that. And you know, not, not to say anything bad about pediatricians. You know, I'm a pediatrician, and I... Most of my day is general pediatrics. Um, we are just not trained in this. And unless a pediatrician takes a special interest in treating autism, you, you're not going to get this kind of testing from your pediatrician uh, you know, unless he or she is open to that. So, you, yeah, you do want to seek out a pediatrician who specializes in autism if you're going to get a thorough evaluation and therapy. And what are some other, you know, other diagnoses, other disorders that might have some comorbidity or might be kind of connected to autism? Like, are we looking at hyperactivity or anxiety disorders? Is that part of it too? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, kids with autism typically automatically have ADHD. Um, they'll commonly have, you know, what you could call anxiety disorders. Um, there's so many uh, other psychiatric or developmental type of disorders that kids might have. But when you're dealing with autism, there's no need to really distinguish all those other labels or all those other, all those other diagnoses because it's all part of the autism. So I, often I, I see patients and they've, they've had, you know, just a dozen evaluations by different therapists and they have five different labels when all they really, you know, we need to know is you have autism and we're going to treat it and it's going to encompass all those different uh, 
uh, labels that, that you've been given. In fact, one goal of, of therapy with autism is to eventually only be, be diagnosed with ADHD or ADD. And if you can achieve that, then you've come a long way in, in you know, getting rid of your autism diagnosis. So understanding that if they have anxiety disorders um, and ADHD and ADD and things like that, which typically are treated with um, medications, can, do you treat or can you treat those individual differences with medications to lessen the effects of autism or or what what type of medications can you treat with autism well no absolutely you can give medications that will certainly help with anxiety um you know add medications typically uh, react very poorly in kids with autism you know when you're dealing only with add or adhd medications actually work very well but when you're dealing with autism, the brain is significantly different, and the brain is, is, has many more problems than just a child with ADHD, and the medications typically cause a lot more hyperactivity, aggressiveness, tantrums. We see a lot of negative reactions to these meds in autism. So in my experience, very few kids with autism are on ADD meds. They might be on meds for anxieties, um, Sometimes the, uh, the antidepressant meds help with certain symptoms, but we usually don't go with uh, ADD meds. Do you think there's going to be eventually a, a cure-all pill or drug that you could take for autism, like, you know, like with bipolar lithium, and, or, you know, think we'll ever figure out the neural pathways or the neurotransmitters that are more specifically affected by autism? You know, to, to do that, we would have to basically find that only one thing is wrong with these kids' brains, and there's only one main, main cause, and I don't think we're going to find that. Right. So I, I doubt we're going to find something that specific for everyone, um, you know, unless it's many years from now, and it really deals with, with the genetics of it and, and, and everything. But, but who knows what we're going to find? Yeah, we do know right now, I think a, a real important message is to know that you know, autism is is treatable. You know, these kids can recover, and there's so many things we can do to help them recover. You know, not just uh, medications, not just prescriptions, but so many natural things that uh, that we can give these kids that sometimes uh, help improve their behavior and their symptoms. You've talked about the more pharmaceutical things. Are there some more natural approaches that parents can attempt to try to help treat autism? Yeah, you know, the, um, the, the list of medical problems that I, I you know, discussed earlier as far as what you would be tested for, mm -hmm. um, as you treat each one of those medical problems, often you see these kids improve. Um, and what, what, I've, what I do as a doctor and what you know, hundreds of other doctors all, all over the country do, in fact, you know, thousands of doctors all over the world, is we will, number one, we'll, we'll fix the gut, any kids with, with, uh, with autism who have chronic diarrhea or constipation or who, alter, or who alternate back and forth between both, we like to fix that by looking at food allergies and infections in the gut, and that's very key to fix. Um, in fact, one of the, one of the largest uh, you know, or most important steps I see that helps these kids is going on a gluten-free, casein-free diet to help eliminate, you know, wheat and dairy as the two primary allergies in these kids. It certainly doesn't help everybody, but when it does help, it can be amazing. Um, then, then these kids uh, are, are nutrient-deprived. They're vitamin and mineral-deprived, and so we like to make sure they're, 
throw out a, a good uh, vitamin and mineral that, that has a lot of extra B vitamins in it. We like giving fish oils to help you know, help with brain function and help with inflammation. We like to give um, what else? Uh, vitamin B12. Um, you've actually you might have you know, heard of giving vitamin B12 shots to these kids. It's a tremendous uh, uh, effect on their social functioning and their their language. Um, that's just sort of the tip of the iceberg. That, you know what we do with these kids. They're I have some patients that are on 20 different uh, vitamins and natural supplements, each one trying to, uh, trying to achieve a, a goal of healing something in the body. And, you know, we, we do see a lot of these kids recover when you, when you treat their medical and nutritional problems aggressively. We've been talking a lot about the medical nutritional treatment, you know, for, for kids with autism, but the, the Developmental and behavioral treatments are just as critical. You've got to get these kids into early intervention developmental programs. ABA therapy or applied behavioral analysis therapy is very key. Occupational therapy, social skills therapy, and, and language therapy is key to get all this going at the youngest possible age um, so that the, the child can benefit from a seeing their improvement, uh, seeing their development improve quickly. Gosh, well, thanks so much, Dr. Bob, for helping us learn about autism. If you want more information on today's show, go to our episodes page on our website or visit Talk About Curing Autism at TACANow.org. Our conversation will continue with Dr. Bob after the show. For our Parent Savers Club members, see our website to sign up. We'll be talking about dietary restrictions as well as the controversy over vaccines and autism. We have some questions for our sleep expert, Joanna Clark, and Jade King wrote on our Facebook page, and she says, Ah, my four-and-a-half-month-old is a co-sleeper, wakes every two hours to nurse, and as much as I love cuddling with him, I miss cuddling with my husband. I understand that, Jade. And I would really like our bed back. I've come to the realization that maybe I'm just selfish about my sleep and really only co-sleep because I value my sleep, if that makes any sense. So I don't have to get up and go to the baby's room and nurse him back to sleep, etc. Is there any hope for me? I should also add that up until a month ago, he would sleep fine from 8 to 2 undisturbed, then wake every two hours after. Hi, this is Joanna Clark of BlissfulBabySleepCoaching.com. So, Jade, I only have little bits and pieces of your sleep situation, but let me try to give you a couple of perspectives. Four and a half months to about six months is a really hard time in the newborn phase. There tends to be a lot, a lot of sleep disturbances and as you noted, you uh, at one point had great sleep between 8 p.m. and 2 a.m. And then all now, all of a sudden, you're getting wakings every two hours. And I know it's so hard and frustrating. Um, but please know that these types of sleep disturbances are normal at this age because there's a lot of cognitive and physical developmental milestones going on, um, which uh, disrupt sleep. Uh, so I understand that you're in a position of some reactive co-sleeping, um, which has been a little bit challenging for you. So my biggest suggestion is uh, co-sleeping safely is always number one priority um, while you're managing the sleep situation in your house. So drsears.com has wonderful uh, safety tips for safe co-sleeping, and I highly recommend that you take a look at those during this interim. Uh, the other part is this idea of 
you know, nursing every two hours, and that's very challenging um, for moms because you're exhausted. Um, so I always advise when it comes to nursing to get in touch with your uh, lactation consultant and inquire about your concerns. Um, but it is an important thing to be able to note which of those nursings are nutritional nurses and which of those are just comfort nurses. And that will help you um, begin to understand uh, how to best attend to your child at each of those wakings um, because it's, it may you may find that you might not have to nurse at every waking but in fact be able to soothe the baby back to sleep uh, in, in other gentle ways, patting, shushing, cuddling, holding um, while you're in your co-sleeping environment um, and the baby will just go right back into that sleep cycle. So um, hopefully those little tips will be able to help you. Do you know that this period of four and a half months to about six months is a, is a time of lots of sleep disruptions that is normal. And sometimes you just have to kind of manage your way through as safely and easily as you can. So best of luck. That wraps up today's episode. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions for our expert about today's show or the topics we discussed, call our Parent Savers hotline at 619-866-4775 or send us an email through our website, parentsavers.com or Facebook page, and we'll answer your question in an upcoming episode. Don't forget to tune into Behind the Scenes Parent Savers Club to keep listening. Next week, we'll continue the discussion on autism with psychologist Dr. Kylie Jackson talking about the importance of diagnosing as well as parental strategies to help with autistic kids. Thanks for listening to Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, mamas, don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.